right at the stopping of their feet now Hear them marching down the road From right to left they're all marching for their own road Which way will we go when the fight is done? Which way will we go when we Just Silk from the album If We're Damned that was the track Where Are We Running To Welcome to Polyrical a podcast of political music a soundtrack for the resistance a topical solution for the political revolution 
I want to hear from you. So if you like what you hear, or if you don't, head over to polyrical.com. You'll find a link to send me an email. You'll also find some links there to make a recommendation. You can recommend a artist, a topic, or a song for a future episode. You'll also find some links there to make a donation. You can make a one-time or recurring donation to keep this podcast free and independent. This next group has a brand new album out. The album is called This Joy. The group is called the Resistance Revival Chorus. The Resistance Revival Chorus is a collective of more than 70 women and non-binary singers who join together to breathe joy and song into the resistance and to uplift and center women's voices, especially the voices of black women and women of color. The Resistance Revival Chorus was founded in the wake of the 2017 Women's March and strives to center women in music and address how historically marginalized women have been in the music industry. When they're not performing on stages like Carnegie Hall and the Apollo, the Resistance Revival Chorus regularly hits the New York City streets, advocating for social justice across the spectrum. From standing in solidarity with the movement for black lives and calling to defund the police, the Resistance Revival Chorus has been involved in many activist causes, including reproductive rights, the anti-Muslim ban, climate change, LGBTQIA rights, at Pride, and attending the March for Our Lives. The Resistance Revival Chorus brings music to the movement. And here is their song, Everybody Deserves to be Free. Stand for me Everybody 
us to our topic of the episode the topic of the episode for this episode is land back here's a piece written by crystal tubles and nick tilson this is published on october 12 at inthesetimes.com this indigenous people's day we don't need celebration we need our land back Today is Indigenous Peoples Day, a holiday that has taken the place of Columbus Day in some parts of the United States as a response to the bloodshed that began when colonizers landed on our soil in 1492. On July 3, we, alongside 19 other land defenders, were arrested at Mount Rushmore as we protested President Trump's arrival on the sacred land for a campaign event without the free, prior, and informed consent that is guaranteed in the 1851 and 1868 Fort Laramie treaties and through the UN. Now we're facing a slew of charges for defending our own land, but our fight is just beginning. In this time of mass mobilization for racial and social justice, Indigenous voices must be at the table of policy conversations. And in order to work towards repairing the harm that has been done to us for centuries, we need people fighting for change everywhere to center our demand for land back, a global movement demanding the return of all public lands to indigenous people, and to undo the many structures and systems that allowed them to be taken in the first place. The United States' deeply entrenched systems of corporatism, capitalism, imperialism, militarism, patriarchy, and white supremacy all began with the taking of indigenous lands. We have to go back to the starting point to undo the inequities and violence we're dealing with now, or we will just continue perpetuating colonization forever, no matter how hard we fight. While land back has been a rallying cry among indigenous people for generations, it has only recently started to catch attention outside of our own communities. Since this is a new idea for many, we want to be clear. When indigenous organizers say land back, 
We're not just saying all public lands need to return to indigenous stewardship. We're talking about reclaiming our identities in relationship with the land. This will take defunding the mechanisms that enforce white supremacy. Police, military, border patrol, and ICE. And continue terrorizing our communities here and abroad. Dismantling white supremacy and the institutions that continue centering voices willingly, willing to destroy everything around us. Returning all public lands back to indigenous hands and for us to reclaim rightful stewardship. And moving into a new era of indigenous consent when decisions are made that impact indigenous lives and land. Land back means dismantling the systems that made stealing our land possible in the first place. We mean reclaiming the culture, language, traditions, health, ceremony, and knowledge of the land that was stolen from us when we were forcefully removed and dwindled down to a fraction of our people by the violent forces of this so-called nation. Right now we're in a moment of upheaval across the country. People everywhere are rising up against police violence towards our black relatives, scrambling to address the racism that has made up the foundation of organizations of all kinds for years. We stand proudly with the movement for black lives as we mutually recognize that our liberation is bound up in each other's struggles. We're also facing a growing climate emergency as wildfires, hurricanes, unseasonably early snowstorms, and earthquakes are threatening the livelihoods of people around the world, even as the U.S. government continues working in cahoots with oil companies to install pipelines through sacred land. Indigenous people and our lands have been used to further extractive relationships with the earth for years, which is why we are on the front line of the environmental justice and climate movements. We've been exploited and intentionally left out of decision-making processes. Now we are taking our power back. As we take action, we're also calling for a reckoning with the erasure of our history. We need our children to be provided with culturally competent education that uplifts our values and provides the honest story that this nation was built by attempted genocide on top of stolen land by a stolen people. We don't want you to freeze and reflect quietly. We want you to feel our fight in your own bones. We want the truth of the United States history to run hot through your own blood, so you never lose sight of why decolonization is the only answer to our society's many sicknesses. At the end of the day, the Land Back movement is about changing the power structures that created the possibility of our genocide and oppression in the first place. It is a notion that has lived in indigenous hearts and minds for generations. It's a fight that transcends age, race, borders, ability, and gender. It's the only way that we will undo the forces that keep all of us down. To create a world where we can all truly live freely and without fear, we must all decolonize our minds lives, and movements, starting today. Here's Bruce Coburn from the album You Pay Your Money and You Take Your Chance. This is Stolen Land. (laughs) 
that was the track Land Back. That was a tribe called Red featuring Boogie the Beat and Chippewa Travelers. Here is the manifesto at landback.org. It is the reclamation of everything stolen from the original peoples. It is a relationship with Mother Earth that is symbolic and just, where we have reclaimed stewardship. It is bringing our people with us as we move towards liberation and embodied sovereignty through an organizing, political, and narrative framework. It is a long legacy of warriors and leaders who sacrificed freedom and life. It is a catalyst for current generation of organizers and centers the voices of those who represent our future. It is recognition that our struggle is interconnected with the struggles of all oppressed peoples. It is a future where black reparations and indigenous land back coexist, where black indigenous people of color collective liberation is at the core. It is acknowledging that only when Mother Earth is well can we, her children, be well. It is our belonging to the land. Land Back is a movement that has existed for generations with a long legacy of organizing and sacrifice to get indigenous lands back into indigenous hands. Currently, there are Land Back battles being fought all across Turtle Island to the north and the south. As NDN Collective, we are stepping into this legacy with the launch of the Land Back campaign as a mechanism to connect, coordinate, resource, and amplify this movement in the communities that are fighting for Land Back. The closure of Mount Rushmore, return of that land and all public lands in the Black Hills, South Dakota, is our cornerstone battle from which we will build out this campaign. Not only does Mount Rushmore sit in the heart of the sacred Black Hills, but it is an international symbol of white supremacy and colonization. To truly dismantle white supremacy and systems of oppression, we have to go back to the roots, which for us is putting indigenous lands back in indigenous hands. In addition, Land Back is more than just a campaign. It is a meta-narrative that allows us to deepen our relationships across the field of organizing movements, working towards true collective liberation. It allows us to envision a world where black, indigenous, and people of color liberation coexists. It is our political organizing and narrative framework from which we do the work. Four Land Back Campaign Demands Dismantle white supremacy structures that forcefully removed us from our lands and continue to keep our peoples in oppression, such as Bureau of Land Management and National Parks Service. Defund white supremacy and the mechanisms and the systems that enforce it and disconnect us from stewardship of the land, such as the police, military-industrial complex, Border Patrol, and ICE. Return all public lands back into indigenous hands. Consent. 
moving us out of an era of consultation and into a new era of policy around free and prior informed consent. Here is Marty Stewart from the album Badlands. This is Broken Promise Land. table over Marvin Helper's place As Air Force One flew President Clinton to Ellsworth Air Force Base He brought with him from Washington a bag filled with dreams and cake to spread among the poor in the poorest county in the whole United States One mile long of big black cars and where they birds did a jig as they moved across the prairie to the planet of Pine Ridge. Where the FBI and the CIA, the AIM, the BIA, the IRS, and GOD all had their eyes set on the master plan. But it all turned out to be Just another shattered dream In a broken promised land The president said to the people We know the failings of the past You've been patronized, tyrannized, but help is here at last. Our nation, she is mighty. These are good and prosperous times. I offer you an America where no one is left behind. Your courage leads to commerce, prosperity. I see housing for the homeless Cause everybody needs a home Majestic people love the plains like you Deserve security As founders of our country You've already paid for the land of the free The AIM, the BIA, the IRS, and GOD all have their eyes set on the master plan. But it all turned out to be just another shattered dream and a broken promised land.
He watered the spirits of the people The crop came up dust and weeds And in the distance of the harvest The only thing that changed Was the color of the leaves on the hawthorn trees The rest is still the same In July 1999 The president went door to door Staring down the barrel of the cold hard truth On his American poverty tour Pine Ridge, South Dakota Was to be empowered on command But it all turned out to be Just another shattered dream And a broken promise land
was beds are burning from the album diesel and dust by the band midnight oil one of my other podcasts is called people are revolting a title taken from a quote by jim hightower and actually the name of one of his spoken word albums the people are revolting in the very best sense of the word and one of the episodes i did a little while back was on the land defenders and treaty defenders blockading Mount Rushmore. Here is that episode. still got it going on the people are revolting welcome to people are revolting a daily dose of disobedience the story is written by mary annette pember and is published at IndianCountryToday.com. More than 100 treaty defenders and other protesters gathered on a highway leading to Mount Rushmore on Friday ahead of President Donald Trump's speech at the monument. 
The group blocked the road, holding banners and chanting slogans such as We Can't Breathe and proclaiming treaty rights. They carried signs with messages such as End 500 Years of Genocide and It's a Good Day to Do the Right Thing. At one point, Native women in ribbon skirts created a line across the highway. Behind them, members of NDN Collective, a nonprofit Native advocacy organization, parked white vans across the road and deflated the tires. Protesters later removed the wheels and climbed on top of the vans, shouting, Land back. The gathering took place near a checkpoint at highways 16 and 244, where ticket holders for Trump's South Dakota event were being screened. Though the demonstration was largely peaceful, some treaty defenders got into heated exchanges with people driving to Mount Rushmore. Around 5 p.m. local time, law enforcement started telling defenders to vacate the area or face arrest, saying the blocking of traffic was an unlawful assembly. They directed them to head to a designated free speech zone. Law enforcement officers dressed in riot gear held shields and formed a line across the road, pushing up against a group of protesters. Quote, we don't need them to give us permission to do this on our land. We intend to stay here indefinitely throughout the night, said Nick Tilson, Oglala Lakota of NDN Collective. Mount Rushmore is a symbol of white supremacy. When you carve out four white men who conducted genocide against Native people in this sacred place, it is fundamentally wrong. Some people began to disperse but later returned as the vans continued blocking the road. Law enforcement then brought in tow trucks to haul them away. Trump supporters standing behind and near the police line shouted at treaty defenders. A man claiming to be a veteran repeatedly offered his help to police. After the vans were towed, a small group of treaty defenders continued blocking the highway, holding a large land back banner. At 7 p.m., police arrested them, using zip ties to secure their hands behind their backs and leading them off the road. Trump supporters shouted accusations that the defenders were funded by George Soros, founder and chairman of Open Society Foundations, and a frequent target of right-wing conspiracy theorists. About 15 people were arrested in all, the Associated Press reported. Tilson was among them. Several groups of natives had planned to travel to the monument to voice their opposition to Trump's visit, his policies that are seen as challenges to tribal sovereignty, and the very presence of Mount Rushmore, which features faces of American presidents carved into a mountain held sacred by many tribes in the region. Among those gathered at the highway Friday was Crystal Tubles, an Army veteran and founder of Voices of the Sacred, an organization aimed at empowering Native youth. Quote, We need to be bringing out the roots of what we're talking about, she said in a live-streamed video of the protest. This country was founded on white supremacy, including the genocide of Natives and slave labor of black people. This is a major convergence that we're seeing today, said Tubals, Oglala, Lakota, and Northern Cheyenne. All these people standing together across the country. She was also among those arrested. 
The Black Hills are part of the Fort Laramie Treaty of 1868, and the country's highest court ordered compensation in the millions of dollars to the Lakota for their illegal seizure, an offer the Lakota have refused for decades. They instead want the Black Hills returned to tribal authority. Mount Rushmore is considered a national memorial by the National Park Service and is the state's prized tourist destination, attracting nearly 3 million visitors each year. The South Dakota Department of Tourism created a lottery system allowing 7,500 people to attend Friday night's program, in which fireworks were scheduled to be set off at the monument for the first time since 2009. The 6 p.m. deadline for entry to the event passed with many cars still waiting to enter the memorial, though they eventually got through. Earlier in the evening, Tilson tried to negotiate with the National Park Service on the removal of treaty defenders and the vans parked in the middle of the road. Quote, We ain't going nowhere, he said. This is our land. This has been our land for thousands of years. If you want to check out back episodes of People Are Revolting, just go to peoplearerevolting.com. You can also follow on Twitter at People Revolting. Keep revolting, and thanks for listening. If you want a sign that humanity's still got it going on, the people are revolting. I think you just nailed it. And that will bring us to the artist of the episode. The artist of the episode for this episode is Jello Biafra in the Guantanamo School of Medicine. Jello and the Guantanamo School have a brand new album out, and we're going to hear a couple tracks from it. Uh, But before that, here's an excerpt from an interview with Jello Biafra. This is published at punknews.org and came out before his prior album. The title of the new album is White People and the Damage Done. Are you saying that white people are inherently evil? Are you saying that many of our current problems come from the people in charge who tend to be white? Well, number one, it's just like Kill the Poor or Calling a Band the Dead Kennedys or the Guantanamo School of Medicine. Value in shock value. It's a way of getting people's attention and striking a raw nerve. Usually at some level, if people's nerves are struck, they might start to think, jar loose some of that sediment in their corporate media-addled brain. To me, the whole album is kind of my feelings about this worldwide austerity scam where the banksters smell blood in the water and keep claiming the country is broke and people that are broke should keep living like people in the third world countries and be thankful for the opportunity. The fact that these deficits and economic crashes are going on all over the world indicates it's being coordinated by these people who have so much money they don't even know what to do with it all. It's all a game to them. What's the worst form of addiction, the most dangerous addiction in the world? Is it meth? 
Is it crack? No, it's wealth addiction. How much more money do you need? A lot of people, when they get to that point, it's like a video game. They can't stop playing. Or it's like a game of paintball of them versus everybody else. It's like more, more, more. And for me to win, somebody else must lose. Back to the title. If you check the title track of the album, it's not saying that the white race or any other race is inherently evil. I don't think any race is inherently evil. But some of these Euro and Yankee supremacist attitudes that we force on the world is responsible for a lot of needless trauma and misery, not to mention pollution. Some of the examples that I mention in the song, some of our boneheaded foreign policies, like our involvement in Vietnam, Clown Prince W trying to conquer Iraq so Cheney's friends can loot the place, Iran, that's another one. If we go into Iran, we're going to lose much worse. Some of the examples that I mention in the song are things like Iran and nuclear weapons. I'm far more frightened of Netanyahu and Israel being a threat to world peace than of anyone running Iran at the moment. But there's still people beating the drum to go bomb Iran. Quote, let's bring democracy to Iran just like we did to Iraq. No, wait a minute. Iran was a democracy in the early 1950s, but then the CIA got the idea to overthrow the prime minister of Iran, Mohammad Mosaddegh because he was nationalizing the oil and BP didn't like that. So we overthrew him and replaced him with the most hated person in the entire country, the Shah, who was technically an illegitimate monarch like Kim Jong-il or Kim Jong-un and did some of the brutality that we're now seeing from Bashar al-Assad, except that we're arming him and training him how to use these implements of torture because we wanted a bully in the Middle East because we wanted him to be our puppet. But against incredible odds, the people overthrew him anyways. But then it was out with the old dictator, and in with the new, of course. Now it's this frightening theocracy where the Iranian people still suffer. How much of this problem would we have today if we just left the Iranian people alone in the 1950s and let them elect their own leaders? Another example is the song Afghanistan. The intel term for what happened there is blowback. Imagine how far I shot through the ceiling when Jimmy Carter's old national security advisor, Zbigniew Brzezinski, bragged in an interview that we had started organizing, financing, and training the Mujahideen guerrillas in Afghanistan, complete with jihad fervor, before the Soviet Union ever invaded the country. We thought, yeah, what a great idea, and then it will become the Russian Vietnam and crack apart the empire, and yeah, we win. Well, did anyone win anything? We never came back and took these weapons back from any of these warlords and groups, including a young hothead named Bin Laden. And we didn't come back and rebuild the country either. And in that part of the world, it's called the Great Betrayal. If there was no Great Betrayal, there would have been no 9-11, and all those people would still be alive. So that's an example of white people and the damage done. And here is the track White People and the Damage Done off the album of the same name, also featured on the album Hugs for Chelsea, a fundraiser for Chelsea Manning. People and the damage done 
Very likely have guessed by now that was the track Taliban USA. That was off the brand new album by Jello Biafra and the Guantanamo School of Medicine. Tea Party Revenge Porn. Here's another excerpt from the interview at punknews.org. Because you're such a news junkie, do you use your art as a tool to inform? Hell yeah! Not just inform people but whack them over the head with what I think is important. I'm not a subtle artist. I'm not a fan of most that are. This applies to music, painting, sculpture, journalism, film, literature, you name it. I like being blunt. I haven't done too many lyrics like The Man with the Dogs, where nobody could figure out what it was about. I was like, okay, this just isn't a good style for me. I'll try this other style that I like better. I still use surrealism from time to time, especially with Lard. That project was hatched on a whim with about five minutes' notice. The Christian Lunch remix had stalled, so I said to Al Jorgensen, why don't we just do something ourselves? He said, yeah, what should we call it? I just said Lard, and he fell on the floor laughing. But then I needed lyrics because we tracked something practically the next day. I had to quickly pull out of my head orphaned one-liners, things that practically popped into my head, things snipped out of real estate ads in the Chicago Tribune. Only later did I realize that, quote, there's a thread to this Power of Lard song. Part of it is how our corporate McMedia and fashion police makes people so scornful and self-conscious about how they look and makes them easier to control. It especially pisses me off how reality shows from peer pressure to parents beat up on young girls. No matter how inspired, intelligent, or dynamic you are, quote, you are too fat or you are too ugly. You need to fit in. You need to have the right Facebook friends and shit 
like that. Overall, these advances in digital technology are a good thing. One of the areas that I question it is whether these kids' Facebook pages and even adults, it's a kind of peer pressure that I never went through when I was growing up. That is, you are who you market yourself to be. You must advertise yourself in order to have any friends. I think that's really dangerous. Hopefully, parents are steering their kids away from that, just saying no to fashion police and dig who they are. You asked, are the people more or less informed? Again, I think it comes down to the person. We have access to more information than ever before through this magic of the internet. Now more than ever, instead of being controlled by the state's lack of information, we are being controlled by the state's bombardment of information, where it's that much harder to wade through all the crap and figure out what is more important. What's more important? Tiger Woods' penis? Or the fact that our economy is about to collapse? And now that it has... Is it the fault of, quote, brown-skinned immigrants or the banksters who stole all our money and that perhaps raising taxes is a good thing if it makes them give it back? People caught up in constant texting, emailing, and updating Facebook at night until you crash out before you wake up and go to your drone job. It comes down to, are you using the tool or is the tool using you? It's a constant battle. It's a constant tightrope walk. But people have got to be aware that that's what they're doing and just fall into it. I mean, I'm more digital than I used to be, but am I happier? Well, on lonely nights, porn sure is interesting. But overall, it's scary. I'm trying to keep up with text and emails instead of getting done something I wanted to get done. And before you know it, I finally look up and it's several hours later and the sun has gone down. There's a lot of Jell-O Biafras on Facebook but none of them are me. Here's another track from Tea Party Revenge Porn. This is The Last Big Gulp.
to the gulag of the red, white, and blue. Gotta keep up with the Chinese slaves, so hard labor for you. Push ups on command, long march of shaved heads. Guards cost money, so we use an electric fence. When it's a hundred set of Jello Biafra and the Guantanamo School of Music that was Three Strikes from the album The Audacity of Hype. Here is Buffy St. Marie from the album Power in the Blood. This is Sing Our Own Song. Control from our lands 
And that'll just about wrap up this episode of Polyrical. Remember, you can follow Polyrical on Twitter at Polyrical. You can find all the Beck episodes at Polyrical.com. You can also hear this podcast and all my podcasts playing 24-7 at MovingTrainRadio.com. Here's the Riot Folk Collective from Convergence 2007 Recordings. This is the Rifles of the BLA. Thanks for listening. Pigs and the fans